Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. Odyssey against oppression. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy, next summer. Welcome back to another sequel episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets. And joining me, my new Star Wars correspondence, Cliff Jans. Thanks for having me back. Uh, looking forward to talking about one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, hey, I'm glad to have you on. It's it's it has been not that long, but still too long since we've talked about movies. So it has. I, I looked at the uh, last call we made. I think it was in February. So yeah. I didn't realize that much time had passed. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and it's only been three years in the movie genre. So yeah, but I got a feeling well, that plus has a lot on there. I got a feeling that you're going to be doing a whole lot more than just being our um, Disney or our um, Star Wars correspondent because we are talking about doing a, another one for our next episode, which we'll get into that at the time. All right. So if you've been living under a rock and for some reason just decided to tune into episode 133 of Be Kind Rewind... We, you, you joined us for a good one. This is the sequel to Episode 4, Star Wars A New Hope, which I believe was entitled Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Correct. This one was actually released May the 21st, 1980. It only did $209 million of initial box office, so that's about $750 million in today's money. Still not bad. It's definitely not the billion dollars that you saw with Star Wars, but I think they figured out what works and what dis what didn't, 
And I think they forgot that when we got to the prequels, but we'll deal with that when we get to them in 20 years. So, you said this was one of your favorite movies. What makes it your favorite? We'll start off with that. I mean, I just, like, Han Solo as a character for me, this is one of his movies where he shines. And he's always been a favorite movie character of me just because he's always kind of ridden that line between hero and anti-hero would be the appropriate term for him. Yeah, especially and, nowadays. That's what they determine him. It's not a villain. You're an anti-hero nowadays. Yeah. I, I mean, he, like, this is the story that kind of leads him from being the scoundrel to the hero that he is known for now. And I've always enjoyed that. Uh, I mean, it has some great lines in this one that I've always appreciate it as we move through the movie i'll talk about my like my favorite line of the movie but i don't want to get into that until we get further along well i got a feeling that we're both sharing the favorite lines because that's one thing that i do when i'm into a movie that i've watched more than say two or three times and i've watched this movie twice in the last month once with my brother-in-law and his kids and it was their first time ever watching Empire. Don't know why we started off watching Empire instead of Star Wars, but he decided we decided to turn this one on, and the girls absolutely loved it. And they're uh, five and three. So, I mean, I'll be honest. When I was a kid, uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite. And then as I got older, like this one, just kind of just took over that spot. And Jedi's kind of moved further and further down because I think Jedi's kind of like more like kid story. Like good prevails and everything, and then like as you grow up, like this one just kind of like it doesn't have the happy ending. Yeah. And then I mean it's kind of the same thing for me with like uh, another Harrison Ford, uh, the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. trilogy. Like growing up, Temple of Doom, Doom was my favorite, and then as I got older, it's kind of back bounced back and forth between Raiders and Last Crusade. Okay. So. Uh, it's certain themes in the movies I guess you appreciate more as you get older but like yeah. this one for me that like this is overtaken by far the other Star Wars movie and we're, we're not going to spoil it too much because we will be talking um, Jedi in the next couple of months because there isn't really that many movies between this one and Jedi but I have a feeling that it was the Ewoks that made it a kid friendly view is that right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Is that uh, even something as simple as I like Luke's lightsaber more in Jedi because I, for me the green just like popped on the screen more. Okay. So that was another reason why I kind of like Jedi. Uh, it was, I mean, just kid reasons like that. Like okay. I, I like just certain small details about that one. Right. Plus, in that one, Han is just almost straight up the hero. Not he's not like developing into that yet. Like, that one's more black and white, and then this one's definitely more gray. Yeah. Which, as an adult, you appreciate. There's definitely more shades of gray in this one than than um, Star Wars or Return of the Jedi. Star Wars, you knew who was black and white, or who was yeah. good and bad. You knew in Jedi who was good and bad, just because by the end of the movie, when um, Han comes back and saves the day then you know that everything's going to work out and he's going to get the girl and yada, 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 end of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, this one one definitely leaves you wanting for them to release the next movie the next year 
a la... Because no. um, the first one had closure. This yeah. one leaves it open completely. Yeah. Alright. Well, let's go ahead and get into this movie. I had three quotes that were at the very beginning of the of the film. When when you first see Leia and Han, they're already bickering at the beginning and he's yeah. she's like, I would rather kiss a Wookiee and he's like, Well like we can go ahead and make that happen. And then like two minutes later he's like, You really need a good kiss. Yeah. And then as he's riding out on the Tauntaun to its certain death, he's like, I guess I'll see y'all in hell and I'm like, Wait a minute, this is well, I guess this was PG just for the violence. Yeah, but... So you you get a little bit more of the quote unquote adult language if you want to call it that. I mean, again, like yeah, because PG back then meant a little bit more than it needs. Like mm-hmm. it was Gremlins, I think, that made the first PG thirteen rating. But even in my childhood, Home Alone had adult language like that, and, and like I guarantee you, if Home Alone's made today, it's PG thirteen all the way. Yeah. And same thing with this. I mean, that's why the newer Star Wars movies are PG-13, not PG. Yeah. So, Han Han goes out because he's trying to find Luke. So, we're already starting yep. to see that he's starting to develop into a hero, right? He, yeah, because he was supposed to leave. And, yeah. like, he found out Luke hadn't come in. And he goes out there to look for him because he still has the bounty on his head from Jabba. From the first So, you're already movie. showing that he's, yeah. So you're showing that he's already developing, all right, I got to take care of my friends before I take Mm -hmm. care of myself mentality. And that will end up getting him carbonated at the very end. Not to spoil it, but if you haven't watched this movie, this movie's been out for 40 years. We were saying it right before we came on the air. Why are you even listening to this podcast if you haven't watched this movie? We can can wait. All right, welcome back. So when, spoiler warnings are not part of this podcast tonight. Yes, there is definitely not a spoiler warning on this movie because it's it's. I think I've seen it running no less than ten times since we did um, Star Wars in February. So it has run just about every weekend without fail on either TBS, TNT, or Turner Classic. Yeah, the fact it's on Turner Classic just makes me feel old, and it came out before I was born. <laughs> so. Um, am I to understand that in this universe, Yetis actually exist? Because the thing that pulls Luke into the cave kind of looked a little Yeti-like, or did we actually get what that thing was called? We did get what that thing was called, and for the life of me right now, I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it's not, I mean, in this universe, obviously, all sorts of creatures exist, Mm -hmm. so... So we see Luke actually use the Force for the first time in his young Padawan career, and he gets himself loose from the snow, and we could tell that this is definitely what we would call in the Marvel Cinematic Universe a Phase 2 movie, because people are losing arms left and right, because the Yeti loses yeah. an arm. Um, it's a, uh, by the way, it's a, it's a Wampa. Wampa, okay. W-A-M-P-A. Okay. And I'm sure we're going to get some comments that we didn't know that right off the top of our head. So. Well, hey, we don't we don't claim to be experts. We just know that we love the movie, or we love this movie. We probably won't when we get into the prequels and some of the more recent. Yeah. So, um, Luke somehow survives long enough for Han to reach him, 
and of course the Tauntaun dies. And this is actually the first bad CG that I have seen in a um, in a Star Wars movie because the the Tauntaun literally looked like it was a stop action motion or stop motion action film. Yeah, but I mean, still for that time, it was still up there. It's just, we've been spoiled and also like certain things in these movies do look fake but at the same time a lot of it still holds up so I forgive the ones that don't yeah I, I do too I, I just it unsettles me because of, of how many things are done so well in these movies that you see that and it's like it pulls you out of the movie for a split second and you're like oh well this was 80s they didn't really have yeah the CG that made Yoda flip over everything and kill kill anything that's in the way of. At the same time, too, with some of the remastered versions of these or the special editions that they did, sometimes that CG looks worse than some of the stuff they did back in the 70s and 80s. And I want to say that the episode that I or the um, version that I watched is the special edition because I think that's the only thing that Disney yeah. actually has on their version. Yeah, I mean, right now, it's pretty much the only version you can find. Like, even if you were to go buy them on Blu-ray or DVD, that'd be that version, too. Yeah. So, we cut back to the Hoth base, and C-3PO is trying to console Leia and doing a very poor job of it. He says that your odds are 725 to 1 of survival. Or, that's what Yoda said, and Yoda has been known to make mistakes. So, he's throwing Yoda, or not Yoda, R2 under the bus. R2, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like... First of all, you've been running around chasing this little droid for the last six years now. And every opportunity that you get, you're going to throw him under the bus so that way you look good. <sighs> so we, Yeah, that's what he always does. Even though R2 always comes out on top. Yeah. It's like... R2 is the ultimate badass in this. If if any if anybody deserves their own spinoff show, it's the R2. Because he doesn't... Nobody really gives him any good except for luke and of course yeah well obi-wan anakin did so we cut back outside and luke's dying for lack of a better term and han pulls up on the tauntaun and we see a dying hallucination of ben yeah which turns out it wasn't really a hallucination because he learned how to come back as a force ghost and so they they get it Han saves Luke, brings him back inside, and somehow the Empire has discovered that this is the Hoth base that everybody's on, and they start attacking. Well, they send the probes out, and I yeah. think when Han shot the probe, they realized that, okay, well, something's down there. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Luke and Leia kiss again. This is movie number two where this has happened. And I thought that they had already decided that they were brother and sister before this happened. No, Luke doesn't learn uh, about Leia being a sister until beginning of the Jedi, or beginning of Return of the Jedi. Because when he's visiting uh, Yoda, uh, as he's uh, phasing out, he mentions, and Luke kind of thinks, okay, Leia's his sister. Well, that, that explains the incestuous kisses in the first two movies, because I cut... I, for whatever reason, I thought that that happened somewhere in here. I was a movie. No, because it's yeah, because actually later in the movie when he's leaving to go save everybody, uh, everyone 
Yeah, Obi Wan makes it. He's like, that boy's our only hope. And Yoda just kind of lets go. He's like, no, there's another. Handing mm-hmm. at Leia. But at the time, you didn't know that. Yeah, and see, now that we've had the prequels and we've had Obi Wan. Yeah. That line doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> because it's, especially if you've been guarding her for a 10 issue, many, many, you're going to know that she's the same person, little kid Luke's sister. Yeah. And I think, didn't he actually deliver them both at the end of episode three to the people that they were staying with? No. Um, or who did? Senator Organa was on the ship with, uh, while. They were being born, so he went ahead and took Leia there, oh. and then Obi-Wan delivered Luke on Tatooine. See, that shows you. I've, I've blocked out movie number three from my... See, that, see, that's actually one of my favorite. Like, the last hour of that one, I really enjoyed. Well, yeah, that's because Hayden Christensen got burned up real good, but... Yeah. All right. So, Darth's attacking with all of his minions in... I'm taking it that the ion cannon that they shot off was kind of like an EMP. Would that be a reasonable guess? Because it's it seems like it knocks out everything on the ship. Yeah, I mean it's it was something that allowed them to escape, so at least like allowed knocked out like trackers and probably some of their weapons. And so, meanwhile, everybody's trying to escape, and the walkers are running through, and yeah. When I was growing up, there was a game at the AMP, so I am definitely aging myself here, considering that doesn't exist, and stand-up arcade games really don't exist. But it was it was this and Return of the Jedi. So you could actually do the um, walker run, and I could never beat it, and I could never beat the speeder bike run on the, on the Jedi. Because it was all controlled mainly with a... Um, a handlebar like you would get on a bike. Yeah. And I used to love it. I'd spend dollars upon dollars just trying to make it through the walker run so I could actually get to Jedi. And I think I made it through twice in however long it was actually at the A&P before they changed it out for Ghost and Goblin. So that's an, that, that'll give you another aging of myself. So anyway, Luke's, pi- Luke's co-pilot gets knocked out. And he's run. He's yeah. trying to figure out how to run things on him on his own. And he shoots a um, tracker up and throws a grenade in, and falls face first on the snow. So how did he land face first on the snow and not die? Or are we just not supposed yeah, to think about that? Yes, the force. Okay, the, the force protected him. But I have a f- before I have he a f- does that, like, he's the one that learned to like trip him off with the cable too. Mm-hmm. So, because that's I, another iconic scene that they actually reference in uh, Captain America: Civil War. So, I actually have a feeling we're going to be saying it was the Force that saved him through a lot of these movies, <laughs> because there there's no way that some things happen the way that they do without the Force being involved. But, yeah, I mean, that's the way for a lot of the movie, a lot of these characters in these movies. So. Um, Wedge ends up getting kicked out of his ship, and I got a feeling that he got stranded on Hoth, because I don't ever see him getting picked up by a transport or anything, so, but somehow, doesn't he end up in Jedi? Or am I just misremembering that? It's actually, it has been a while since I've seen Jedi, so 
I want to say he's on the ship, but I'm not 100% sure. Because from what from what I saw, it looked like he was just walking back to the base, to the base very slowly. And then they cut away because everybody's taken off. And it's like, um, what about Wedge? Did anybody go out and look for him like everybody did for Luke? They might have. Cause I think like they kind of gave up once the main people that Vader was after I had escaped. So mm. they may have come back for him at some point. But <laughs> Well, speaking of Vader, why would anybody actually want to work for him? Because you have a very good chance that you're going to end up dead if you mess up one. I think they want to be the one to prove themselves to him. That's that's actually yeah, that's, he did go through some commanders in this one. Yeah, I think I think he went through three or four just in this movie alone, where they were. Yeah. Oh well, congratulations, Admiral. And then twenty minutes later, he's dead. Well, congratulations, Admiral. Yeah. So many scenes start off with just those admirals or commanders falling on the ground. Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's like two or three scenes that like that's the start of the scene. Yeah. So, of course, everybody gets away, and as is the issues with the Millennium Falcon, Falcon, however you want to pronounce it, because I think it was pronounced both ways, and it couldn't make the jump to light speed, so they had to go into an asteroid field, and, of course, C-3PO gives the odds of 3,720 to 1 of being able to successfully navigate an asteroid field, but I'm... Working my way through Star Trek, not to try to mix the streams, and I seem to remember them going into an asteroid field several times with no issue. So, is it really that hard to do that? I'm not not a scientist, so I don't know how it actually works. I do think they did a little bit more research on that type of stuff with Star Trek, but not 100% sure. I mean, a lot of it, too, is for the drama or the action sequences of this movie. But at the same time, then they land safely on one, so how hard was it supposed to be? Yeah. And then that one that they happen to land on happens to be a live critter. Yeah. Something's living in it, yeah. They don't realize it's not a cave at the time. Which is, and this is going to be a spoiler warning, because I don't know if you've seen it, but Strange World is basically they are living inside of a animal. So I'm not sure if they saw this and decided, well, let's go ahead and and retry to rework that into a new Disney movie. Actually, I have not seen that yet, but well, I, I, it's on my list. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So, I mean, who knows? They probably could have done that. I mean, so I mean, we're at the point now where so many ideas are mm-hmm. based on. I mean, there's like a sequel. Like so many things are based on Twilight Zone episodes now. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that might not be such a bad thing to have on, to have movies based on Twilight Zone episodes because some of those were actually good in the original. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's, it was it was great to see that in Star Wars. So yeah, if that, mm-hmm. that they kind of took that for that movie. Yeah, good for them. So Luke and R two are in their X wing, and Luke tells R two to put in um, coordinates for Dagobah, and I actually had to pause the movie and ask Grayson about this. Because if Yoda is such a great master, and of course we're 30 years before we get into the prequels, where we find out what yeah. a badass he wouldn't you think that Luke would have a picture or something of what Yoda actually looks like? So that way when this little green dude actually starts walking up to your 
camp, you pull out your hologram and say, oh, this is Yoda, instead of fighting with him for 20 minutes. Or am, uh, I, am I just overthinking things? I mean, at the same time, though, like, because he grew up with his uncle kind of keeping him away from anything Jedi-related. Like, he mm-hmm. like he doesn't even pick up on his Jedi ancestry right away because Ben kept himself at a distance. And once he starts picking up on that, then uh, Ben dies. So... I mean, because his uncle, like I said, he just keeps him away from any type of his family history because he don't want him to turn out like his dad. So, I, I mean, I kind of get why he wouldn't know what Yoda looks like because he wouldn't have probably the research that he needed to or know where he needed to look type of thing. But, and once again, this is me playing devil's advocate. If I know that I'm going to look for somebody that's a... So that's a p- supposed master of anything. I'd want yeah. to know who I'm actually looking for, so that way I'm not trudging all over a planet that may or may not be inhabited by things that are known to eat um, robots and X-wings, and then you have a little cr- green critters that you don't know what they are until you find out that it actually is Yoda. Yeah. But if we didn't have him playing... The Stooge, we wouldn't be able to have one of the greatest bad lip-syncing songs of all time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with him smacking uh, yes. R2 with a, a stick. Which, that will probably be the outro for this show. Just because it's one of... it's. Grayson and I actually kept that on repeat for like two days. Just because we cracked yeah, up at different parts. Too, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, that's probably like that's another reason to love this movie is it gave us one of the greatest bad lip reading videos ever. So Yoda takes um, Luke back to his little house and he tells R2 to stay at the campsite. The next thing that we see is R2 is looking in through the window, disobeying Luke. Hey, um, I know that you do your own thing a little bit, but especially if you're hooked up to a battery power, how did you unhook yourself to... To roll off into the... I mean, at that time, yeah, we wouldn't know that. But, I mean, later on, you see that he has little extensions in his body that allows him to kind of interact with things. So, But at the time, he didn't know because they don't really... Like, they just show the one thing that comes out. And, like, it's kind of like a key for mm-hmm. different computer systems on space stations. So we find out that Yoda is at least 801 years old because he has been training Jedi for 800 years of that. And... Then we flash back to the asteroid where we find out that there are Minox in the inside of the big sandworm that was pre-Dune. And they get away, barely, of course, because otherwise we wouldn't have a good, exciting chase scene. And we cut back to Luke, who has his hallucination of him destroying Vader, which ends up being him. Although you can't really tell that. So, I'm wondering how many times Luke actually ingested um, pharmaceutical-grade mushrooms during this movie. I mean, on, on Dagobah, they're probably all over the place. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, because we, we have the training video, we have, like, all that, and, like, the montage of Yoda on the backpack, and then we go to that one, and so I think that's where, tell the famous line where it's like, I'm not afraid, and Yoda tells them, you, you what, should you, be. Yeah. But, no, nah, that's... I mean, again, it's also, fortunately, like, you're seeing visions constantly if you're yeah. a Jedi, so. 
I think that's the first hint at the big spoiler at the end of this movie is that, yeah, Vader is somewhat, somewhat Luke because of who Vader turns out to be. So then we cut back to Han, who is still trying to get the um, hyperdrive working, and they buzz the flight deck of one of the battle cruisers and stick onto the back of the ships. That way well, they can fix it. And they're not being picked up by uh, their trackers or radar. Mm-hmm. I, me, I can't think of what they call it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like their sensors. Yeah. And so they get that fixed, and as everybody makes the jump to light speed to go wherever they're going, Han jumps off, not realizing well, that Boba first is... Off we, well, first off, we just see all the different bounty hunters that Vader's hired, and then that's our first glimpse of Boba. And then uh, and then that's when like all the other bounty hunters... I don't know why I'm using hand gestures when this isn't a video. Uh, <laughs> but that's so when all the uh, other, like, Bounty hunters kind of go off in their one direction, and Han thinks he's safe. And then that's when you see uh, the slave one mm-hmm. behind, and then he kind of follows them. And so they go off, and they think that they can finally get the hyperdrive fixed at Cloud City. And of course, C3PO, being the feckless robot, decides to go off and wander off on his own, and he gets blasted up real good for it. And yeah. Chewie finds him in a junk pile. And we find out the reason why, because that was probably Boba that hit him with the blaster. Yeah. But, but we don't ever see the actual payoff for that. And so everybody's talking, and um, Vader says that he doesn't want the Emperor's prize damage, so they'll try the carbonite freezing on Solo. Yeah. To make sure he doesn't die, and then because even Boba's like, well, he's no good to me dead. I need him alive. And of course, Chewie doesn't handle this very well. And we have one of the greatest lines of the Star Wars movie: "I love you, I know." Yeah. Which I've actually seen T-shirts made of that in the 30 years since then, where you have a husband no, actually, and a wife. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine. Uh, they went to Disney World, I think, last year, and. She's somebody I went to high school with, and I, they bought those shirts. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she's as big a Star Wars fan as I am. So, <laughs> yeah. but actually, before all this, so we we're back on Dagobah, and we see Luke because he's training, and he's, I think he's in the uh, where he's doing the handstand and making everything float, and he has a vision, and he realizes uh, Han and Leia are in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I think while Han is getting. Uh, trapped in the carbonite, he's flying to them. He just doesn't get there in time. Because mm-hmm. that was a big scene of Yoda talking him out of leaving. Yeah. Because he wanted for Luke to actually finish his training, and that's where we get yeah. the there's another. Yep. So. And so. also, to backtrack you a little bit more, the uh, I love you, I know line, that's my favorite quote from this movie. It, it, it is a good one. He's so confident with it, like, He's just so confident. Like he's, and that's what makes him like one of the favorite characters for me. Is mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm about to get trapped in this carbonite, but somebody's telling me I they love me, and but yeah, I already knew that. Mm-hmm. Because from from the very initial moments of the movie, you have a feeling that he knows that he that she loves him, but she's yeah. too much of an of a princess to admit it until his life's on the line. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we, she's, I think we call her a warrior princess at this point because she is definitely held her own in so many situations. Yeah, and I actually think that if she were on the Imperial side, she would be able to train the Stormtroopers to be better shots. Than- yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you said, Luke shows up just a little bit short and a little bit late. And I think in every Star Wars movie, somebody yells out, it's a trap. Yeah. Because we had Leia in this one. We had um, Admiral Akbar in the third one. I can't remember where it would have been in the first one, but I'm sure that there's a it's a trap somewhere in that one. Yeah, because it's a trap. Uh, I have a bad feeling about this, and never mm-hmm. tell me the odds are, like, I think the three most common used up until Mandalorian, which this is the way it then became a popular one, too. Um, actually, up until this point, one character we haven't talked about yet, uh, who is actually set in motion to Han being trapped in carbonite is Lando. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't bring him up. <laughs> no, I thought about him earlier today, though. I was like, you know, because he's, he's one character that, like, where the gray is at its most extreme. Because, you know, he finds himself in charge of the system. And, you know, like, it, it's simple to be like, oh, he's, like, he betrayed them. But at the same time, like, he's also trying, like, he understands the threat facing his people and he's trying to protect the people that he's in charge. So it's not necessarily like he's trying to be bad. He's, he just didn't know which route to go. It's like, do I protect my people or protect my friends? And I think when you're in that position, you have to look at, well, one life, the cost of one life isn't as great as everybody, the cost of many lives. That sounds like something that was mentioned in Star Trek four. Or no, as mentioned in as as mentioned in Rathacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I just destroyed the quote. So not only did I quote Star Trek, I misquoted Star Trek. And while we're talking about a Star Wars movie, so well, hey, get some. I had already crossed the streams when we started talking about the Astral, so it's yeah, it's wide open now. But yeah, I mean, I think at one point in this movie, doesn't uh, Dumbledore show up and say no? No, so let's bring in Harry Potter into it. Then we'll get all the geekdoms mad. Yes. And then you don't walk into, into Mordor. Yeah. May as well. So, no, like, like, for me, Lando is just, like, he is, because everybody's like, well, how'd they, like, just start liking him so much at, like, by Return of the Jedi? I was like, well, they understood his plight. Like, he, he's just trying to save his people. Like, he, and then he, like, immediately, it's one of those situations where you just, you, you think you're doing the right thing and then you immediately realize you're not, you didn't do the right thing and you're trying to rectify that as fast as you can. And I think he actually still gets hate mail from the true diehards because he, cause he brings it, he's brought it up a couple of times at cons, how yeah. he's, he's probably the most hated, well, second most hated behind Jar Jar Binks in yeah. all of the Star Wars franchise. But yeah, I, I, I was never a Lando fan and Especially, I mean, he got a little bit of redemption when Donald Glover played him in Solo. We won't get into that for another 40 years. Because that was what no, actually... I, I never hated... Go ahead. I said that was actually what killed the um all the origin movies was Solo. Yeah. Like, I didn't hate Solo. It wasn't as good as I wanted to be, but Donald Glover as Lando is definitely the standout in that movie mm-hmm. for me. But... Again, that's but we'll get to that one when we get to that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah. no, like I never had an issue with Lando. Like 
I mean, younger I did, I was like, oh, screw him, he betrayed him. But then, like, you grow up and you realize he's trying to do the right thing. He just, mm-hmm. at the time, didn't know what the right thing was. And then three years later in Empire, or in Jedi, we find out that he's not as corrupt as everybody thinks he is. Yeah. He helps to rescue Solo. And, I mean, once again, spoiler warning for somebody that hasn't watched this movie. But... So we, Luke and Vader finally meet up so that nope. way Luke can try to avenge Ben. And we get the ultimate reveal of I am your father. One of the the best plot twists of all time. Yes. In my opinion, because he never saw it coming. And I think think that James Earl Jones is always asked to say, Luke, I am your father. And he never says Luke. No, because that's not the line, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, we get another, another phase two moment when Luke loses his hand. And his lightsaber. So now Ben's lightsaber is somewhere over Cloud City, just drifting around like the... Actually, it wasn't Ben's. That was Anakin's lightsaber. Oh, oh yeah. Because Ben gave it to uh, He's like, this was your father. So, yeah. Then somehow that comes into the sequel trilogy. It's like, well, it was in this floating city, and it just felt like, who found this lightsaber? But yeah. And they never go into that in the sequel, which actually kind of irritated me, but... Well, now they're talking about writing numbers 10, 11, and 12. So we'll get to the why they they yeah. butchered it then. Yeah. Probably not, but... Yeah. Well, we can, <laughs> we yeah, can no, hope. It's... So Luke decides that he would rather die than join Vader. And he magically gets sucked into a tube that drops him out of the bottom of clouds. Again, I think when, like now that we like further movies in, I think we kind of realize, in my opinion, he kind of used the force to... <laughs> go into the, like, you know, like you said like we will be talking about how he saved himself a lot with the mm-hmm. force but again they showed that in later movies that like okay they are capable of doing stuff like that so and so he's just hanging out on this satellite actually a rate actually i think it was like a tv antenna on yeah. the bottom and he reaches out to leia and since when did learn did leia learn how to drive the falcon because she's just hanging out over in the driver's seat that Han was usually in. Well, I think in that one, like, they're with Lando at that point, too. So I think Lando actually was doing some of the driving, maybe. But I got to imagine while they're stranded on that asteroid field or when they're kind of <laughs> hidden there, Han probably did show her some ways of doing it. Or Leia broke out the manuals, got the owner's manual and read through it while they were in fighting off the yeah. line. And don't forget Chewie's there. Don't forget yeah. Chewie's there, too, so... Because they do get to the point where they kind of understand Chewie, so it's kind of like everybody understands Groot now. So, Leia goes back or tells him to turn around. They pick up Luke right as he falls off the TV antenna into Lando's arms, and they somehow get hooked back up with the Resistance, and Luke gets a brand-new hand with brand-new fingers... That actually feel pain. Yeah. yeah, that scene bothered the hell out of me when I was a kid. Watching those needles hit each fingertip, I was like, ah! Like, it made it feel like it was happening to my hand. Well, I mean, it bothers me now, just because it's... I mean, yeah, we're getting more and more realistic. Um, I'm just saying, watching the like the needle, like, just... Not even the fact that it's a... Um, what's the... Uh, artificial appendage? I don't know, what's the term I'm looking for? 
yeah. but a fake body part. Um, but like just watching the needle poke each finger just like made it feel like, oh my God, it's poking my finger. Mm-hmm. And so Leia walks in and Luke wraps his arm around her and they're, star- they're staring out as the Falcon takes off to go find Han and we no. fade to black. We fade to the, uh, one of the best movie scores of all time, thanks to John Williams. Well, but, I don't, yeah. I don't think that any of these movie scores are anything to laugh at. They are, they are some of the best ones that I would have on repeat if I had them. So, I mean, even the prequel trilogy. I mean, um, this is worth watching just for Duel of the Fates alone. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are through two thirds of the original trilogy. We all know what's coming up. The most exciting part: Ewoks. Yeah. Followed by two yeah, Disney... Sticks and stones beating lasers and giant robots. Yes, because that's how things work. Especially when you add in a little bit of the... Yep. So, I haven't read any of the comics, haven't read any of the trade paperbacks. How did Leia end up in Jabba's palace in the metal bikini? Well, that that's the scene in... Return of the Jedi, she's there disguised as a bounty hunter. And she has this mask on, hides her voice, and then she, like, takes it off while she's freeing Han from the, like, carbonite. Oh. And then, like, like Jabba was hidden behind a curtain the entire time, knowing that somebody was going to come. And, like, right when she releases them, they caught, catch her. Because he's blind, and Han goes, who is this? Like, like, And she takes the mask off, and it's like, somebody that loves you very much. And then that's when, like, the reveal is, oh, it was a trap to catch her. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Show Shows you that I blocked out big parts <laughs> of that movie. All right. Well, is there anything that you've missed? I've hit all of my highlights on this movie. No, I mean, I tried to skim over Lando. I brought Lando up, but... uh <laughs> No, it's for the most part. I've talked about most of the stuff. Uh, like again, the um, "I love you, I know" quote being one of my favorite Star Wars quotes. Han going through, like going from his journey from being the realizing that he's a part of something bigger with this team as opposed to just looking out for himself. So, yeah, I think I talked about most of the stuff I want to talk about with this uh, great Star Wars movie. All right, well. With that, we're going to go ahead and put a close on this. Um, Cliff will be back to cover a non-Star Wars movie, either in a week or in two weeks, when we are actually talking about Peter Pan and Wendy, the brand new Disney Plus remake of the remake of the remake of Peter Pan. Yep. So that is your homework for next week. And probably the week after, but probably the week after. Um, if you want to write us about anything that we have brought to your attention that we've messed up on, because like I said, I'm not a, I am not a Star Trek. Of, yeah, Star Trek. See, there we go. Oh, I'm not see, a Star. Yeah, no, they're gonna come after you right for that one. <laughs> I am not a Star Wars um, expert. I watch the movies. I enjoy the movies. Well, most of the movies, but we'll get into that when we get to the last three. Um, if we've messed up anything, and you are a Star Trek fan, and you just want to grind your grills on us, 
have at it. Be kind, rewind, DMP at gmail.com. Of course, the DMP does stand for Disney Plus Movie Podcast. Rate us, review us, tell us what we got wrong, tell us what we got right. We will read it on the next time that Cliff is actually on the air. So, um, until the next time that we meet, as always, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for bounty hunters in a trash compactor or a trash field. Dashboard field. All right. We will talk to y'all. All right. We will talk to y'all. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Jedi Master who instructed me.